SAFM Sports Wrap. Good evening to you. Welcome to SAFM Sports Wrap this evening. I'm Brad Brown. It's good to be with you. And uh, coming up on the show this evening, we'll be chatting a fair bit about the IC Champions Trophy. We'll also be chatting some netball and football tonight with the NFD PSL promotion relegation clash between Black Leopards and Stellenbosch taking place at the Athlone Stadium. Mark Smaponyane will be joining us a little bit later to preview that. But let's start with cricket. I can tell you that Pakistan have beaten hosts England to advance through to the final by 8 wickets with 77 balls to spare. England sent in to bat earlier this afternoon, bowled out for 211 with a ball to spare in the innings. Pakistan reaching that total with just 2 wickets down in the 38th over. Fantastic performance by Mickey Arthur's Pakistan. We'll chat to Johan Leroux to get a full match breakdown in just a moment. On to football now, Bafana Bafana midfielder Talani Serrero signed a three-year deal with Dutch side Vitesse. Uh, the 27-year-old's move from Ajax Amsterdam has been confirmed by the club following a successful medical earlier today. In other football news, Amazulu general manager Lunga Sokela has confirmed that they are close to learning the fate of their bid to buy the ABSA Premiership status of Tanda Royal Zulu. Two weeks ago, it was confirmed that the two clubs had entered into negotiations. However, Sokela, who's the son of Amazulu owner Dr. Patrick Sokela, has now confirmed that the outcome is imminent. There's been many discussions uh, with various parties, uh, including uh, the owners of uh, Tanda Royal Zulu, uh, regarding the sale of their status. Uh, as we know, that after their promotion, uh, they, they had intentions of selling it due to um, issues that they had outside, obviously, of football. Um, various parties got together, and we have put an application forward to the Premier Soccer League that would invariably see the brand of Amazulu back in the PSL uh, and we hope we will we'll get a favorable response a lot of boxes had to be ticked um, you know to ensure that it's within the rules of the league so we hope within the next week or so we'll get a response and hopefully a positive response Although no figures have been mentioned thus far, it's thought that the deal is in the region of between 60 and 70 million rand. The next fixture in the PSL NFT promotion relegation playoffs takes place this evening. 7.30 kickoff between Stellenbosch FC and Black Leopards. On to rugby now, fly half Elton Yankees uh, admits that team performances are more important than individual achievements ahead of the second test against France in Durban on Saturday. The 26-year-old enjoyed one of his better outings in national colours when South Africa opened their three-match series against France with a 37-14 win in Pretoria last weekend. The box are now preparing for their next game, where Yankees will be expected to play an equally important role as they try and seal the series. However, Lions number 10 is remaining grounded ahead of the clash. For me, it's all about the team. I think um, team fundamentals, um, especially when we fixed it after last year, um, the guys are really buying into the way we want to play and taking personal responsibility of their own job as well. So that's the key for me is to take responsibility of my own jo- job and then just making sure that I be the game manager on the field, um, communicating well. And yeah, the force is obviously um, laying the good platform f- to get quick ball for me and Ross. Yankees, who won his 12th cap last week, could easily be considered as one of the more experienced men in the Bok backline that included four debutants. 
Andres could see it. Raymond Rule, Courtnall, Skosin, and Ross Cronier were all playing for the first time in green and gold. The other two men in the back line, Jesse Krill and Jan Serfentain, have 18 and 27 caps respectively. It means that more responsibility for that trio, but Jaitis believes that he's been helped by the fact that there are many more Lions players in the team, including skipper Warren Whiteley. Obviously, it, it comes in benefit, uh, especially with us knowing each other and obviously speaking the same language. But we've got leaders in the team. Um, we've got two, five, and then obviously at the backfield with Bubus as well. So we communicate in quite well, so it makes it easier on the field. So the guys are calm and they know exactly what to do, what call is made, so it makes it just easier. In other rugby news, South Africa A coach Johan Ackermann's named five Springboks in his run on 15 to take uh, battle to take to the field against the French Barbarians at the Moses Mabida Stadium on Friday. Juan de Jong will skip at the side. Loisium Vovo, Ruan Combrick, Jano Fomark and Uzer Kasim will all start. It was also announced today that SA Rugby will hold a special general meeting on the 7th of July in Cape Town. That to confirm the four South African teams that will participate in Super Rugby from 2018. And finally in tennis news, world number three, Karolina Pliskova, uh, a semi-finalist at the recent uh, f- French Open, will miss the WTA Wimbledon warm-up event in Birmingham, that due to an elbow injury. Coming up next, uh, we'll touch base with Johan de Roo. SAFM Sports Wrap. This is South Africa's news and information leader in the first semi-final of the ICC Champions Trophy concluded a short while ago. England taking on Pakistan uh, in Cardiff and England's uh, probably one of the pre-tournament favourites, if not the favourite, heading into the tournament, coming off a 2-1 series victory over the Proteas, looking very good in the group stages and they got unstuck against Pakistan. Pakistan through to the final. We join now by Johan Leroux. Johan, welcome on to the show once again. A big result, uh, particularly if you look at how badly Pakistan lost in their first game against India. They've come good, so they're through to the final. Thank you very much, Brad. Yeah, a massive, massive win for Pakistan. And, and, and one of the teams that you really don't want to face at an ICC Champions Trophy knockout game because you never know when they're going to turn it up. And we never know they can beat any side, uh, even the favorites, uh, England. But England have, I think, only themselves to blame, uh, especially that top five of them. They were sent into bat first, only posting 211 after Johnny Bairstow, Joe Root, Owen Morgan and Ben Stokes. They all made starts. One of them at least needed to try and stick it out and try and get to a 60 or a 70 or even triple figures and then uh, at least try and get a 250, 260 on the board which would have been defendable against Pakistan uh, but I, I, it wasn't to be it was good bowling by Pakistan as well credit to them, Hassan Ali was simply terrific he picked up 3 for 35 uh, the other wicket takers, Junaid Khan picked up 2 Ramin Raiz on uh, Ruman Raiz rather on, on debut picking up 2 as well and Sharab Khan picking up 1 as well, so credit to Pakistan they were really good with the ball but you you know, in Paki- with, when you play against Pakistan, you need to try and put them under a lot of pressure, and then they will bowl the odd uh, bad ball, and that's the one that you try and put away. But England, the England batsman didn't get stuck in enough. Uh, 211 was always going to be easy for Pakistan, and Azhar Ali and Fakhar Zaman made a terrific start. They added 118 for the opening stand, and then Babar Azam and Muhammad Afiz came and finished things off. In the end, a very, very comfortable victory for them, and who would have thought at the start of the tournament that the lowest-ranked team would be progressing through to the, to the final? Yeah, it's incredible. And then uh, the next semi-final, obviously Bangladesh in there, who's uh, a bit of a surprise against India. It's all looking good and pointing towards uh, another fantastic match between Pakistan and India. But let's talk about England's bowling effort as well. Uh, it, it wasn't as good as I think it could have been. Yes, they were defending a low total, but it is still runs on the board, in my opinion. And, and I just don't think the bowlers put or asked enough questions of the, of, of the Pakistan opening pair. 
No, I, I think that's where Captain Owen Morgan, you really should have been more attacking because when you're defending 211, uh, the only way that you're going to win that match is to bowl to a specific plan, to attack from the start and to pick up the 11 wickets. And unfortunately, it didn't work out for, for, uh, uh, for Owen Morgan. He brought on his spinners quite early, which was a good call because eventually they did manage to pick up the wicket. Adil Rashid picked up uh, the wicket of Fakar Zaman. But at that stage, it was a little bit too late uh, because already half the runs were already knocked off. So I think that's where England did miss a trick and it's going to be hard for them to, to face up to their fans at home. There was a lot of pressure on them because they were one of the favourites and they've been playing terrific cricket throughout this tournament and then unfortunately when it mattered most they weren't able to deliver. Well, we'll be chatting to Tom Sizeland, the editor of SA Cricket uh, Magazine, a little bit later on in the show to get his take on the match uh, and also the tournament as a whole. Johan Leroux, thank you very much for that. We look forward to, to updates from the next semi and the final here on SAFM. Thanks for your time tonight. Thanks, Brad. Join us this week on Top Billing as Nico meets the leading ladies in the blockbuster The Mummy. Italian foodie Francesca Santi makes her toffee in a river. Every day feels like Father's Day to Miss S.A. Demi Lee's dad, Benny Peters. And if rugby is seven-star Jamba Ulengo's passion, his son is his life. That's Top Billing, Thursday night at 8.30 on SABC3. The stage is yours. Let's never forget the sacrifices made by the youth of 1976. SAFM, the memory of 76 lives on. SAFM Sports Wrap. On to some netball now. Brutal Fruit Netball Premier League defender of the tournament, Shadeen Fanamarva, says she's extremely excited to have been included in the Proteus squad to take part in a training camp in Pretoria next month. Proteus coach Norma Plummer yesterday announced a 26-member squad that will undergo training in Pretoria as they get on with their preparations ahead of a bumper season that includes the quad series, the Diamond Challenge and two tests against Fiji. Plummer also called up two other players from the newly crowned Brutal Fruit Netball Premier League champs the Gauteng Jaguars, adding Inna-Marie Fenter and Madalise Brain in the mix. Well, very excited. Um, I'm not stressed about that because uh, I've been playing for the Proteas, like I have four caps behind my name, but I know it's not going to be easy, but yeah, I'm very excited because, um, you know, if you work hard and you get, um, you get the call up, it's always just, after being crowned netball Premier League champions in Bloemfontein at the weekend, the Gauteng Jaguars will be off to New Zealand later this month to take part in the Super Club competition, which features eight teams from across the globe. They will test their mettle against the best uh, netball sides in the world. And Fanamadova says the international experience in New Zealand will benefit her immensely and will be a well-needed confidence boost ahead of the training camp with the Proteas. Yes, I think um, it is going to benefit me as a player because game time is, is the most important thing for a netballer to get that experience as well and, you know, stay in the game. So, you yeah, I think going overseas now with the Jaguars team and getting that exposure, competing against, like, the top three ANZ team from New Zealand, which is a privilege so you can, like, expect high-quality netball, which is great. And then I come back and I go directly into a training camp with a lot of confidence. Meanwhile, Plummer, who spent the weekend in Bloemfontein at the Netball Premier League Tournament, which is a six-week semi-professional league, says she was a bit disappointed with the level of play at the tournament, saying the lack of game time in the sport is putting the players at a disadvantage. I thought, uh, OK, some of them needed to work a bit harder. I was a little bit um, 
disappointed in some, but um, overall, there's still been the players that have got the talent. So you you know that. Um, you see, the difference for your girls is that they don't get the opportunity, I think, to train weekly. Like, you know, if you're at Suncorp Stadium, a uh, Suncorp competition in Australia. It's a daily training environment. They get paid big dollars to be there. So those players are on their um, training uh, sessions twice a day, every day for a week, plus the top competition. That's where your players lack that opportunity. So what we still look at is we look at players that we believe have the uh, ability to go where we would like to take them and um, and lift their game to the standard that we'd like to see played. And I think that's shown a bit with, um, you know, over the coming up the two years now, I've been working with the girls, you know, I, um, the whole idea was that um, I'd said to South Africa, you're not going to knock off the top four countries in the world at the moment, but we can lower those score lines because you used to get beaten anything up to 55 goals on Australia, New Zealand and England. Well, we drew with England. We got Australia down to 16 and 19 on New Zealand. So these are the inroads. So it's smaller steps, but once the players start to get the handle of it, they're very talented. They love the feedback and they work for it. And we've been delighted. We've still got a long way to go. Plummer shares her plans for the training camp and schedule for the rest of the year. That camp, we bring in the um, 25 players and a few invitees. Um, for the first three days, it'll be, you know, training them and having match play and looking at different combinations, see who stands up. We'll put them under a lot of pressure. Um, and then um, on the... So that will be about the Wednesday. The, by the Wednesday lunchtime, we'll announce the team, uh, the 12 players, to go forward to the quad series. Now, that starts, um, the quad series starts in August. We will be uh, having a camp um, on the Gold Coast uh, in Australia um, because the first game is there on, on, I can't quite remember the first date. I think it's the 27th or 28th. So we play, we'll play New Zealand there because Australia and, and England will play. Then we go to um, Canberra, we'll play in Canberra we'll play Australia there then we fly to Invercargill in um, New Zealand and we will play England there then that finishes the day after that we head into Fiji for a two test series so it's pretty busy there for a while and then maybe another camp and a diamond challenge in November but that's still in um, building phase at this stage this is Sport on SAFM, every supporter's greatest resource. Well, it's time to head to Cardiff now to catch up with the editor of SA Cricket Magazine, Tom Sizeland, who has been at the IC Champions Trophy from the start of the tournament. Tom, welcome back onto SAFM Sport Chat. Thanks for your time tonight. Yeah, thanks, Brad. Good to be back. Tom, uh, the match uh, in Cardiff has, has just wrapped up. Pakistan uh, beating England. Big surprise, that. England, one of the, the pre-tournament favourites, I reckon. Yeah, I mean, from sort of on, if you, if we weren't watching the match and you heard the screaming, like you'd you'd be surprised that it wasn't England. I mean, it was almost like Pakistan had the home support. It was a pretty incredible atmosphere, and all the cheers were coming from Pakistan. But I mean, that's because Pakistan completely outplayed England today, and it just shows how unpredictable this side are, because they got absolutely thrashed by India in that uh, opening game, and they very much looked like the lowest ranked team that they are in this tournament. 
Which, and then they just went and blew away the Proteas and did the same against England today. Yeah, which is which is amazing. And and you, you talk about that game against India, that uh, op- their opening match of the tournament. Uh, they were they were totally outclassed, and and it set things up really nicely. India still have to overcome Bangladesh in their semi final, but we we could have a rematch of that opening game. And and I know the atmosphere at that opening game was phenomenal. It bodes well for for the final. Yeah, I mean, from a neutral perspective, I do hope it's India because I was at that group stage match and that was such an incredible atmosphere at Edgebest. And I mean, if it's like that, then imagine what it's going to be like at a final. But having said that, I mean, tomorrow it's Bangladesh versus India and the way the tournament's been going so far, you can't rule Bangladesh out because the underdogs keep winning in this tournament. So India will be favourites, but... I mean, if India make it through, then I don't want to predict India winning that final, just because of the way things have been going. You talk about the underdogs going through. There have been quite a few disappointments. Uh, I'll touch on the protests in a moment. But Australia, obviously one of the underperformers. New Zealand, who, who made it through to the last World Cup final, were, were disappointing in this tournament. But uh, Australia, I, I think they were a bit unlucky, obviously, with, uh, with the, weather, the, the weather intervening in their, their first two group matches. And then it was a, a one-off to win it, and they, and they weren't able to do that. They, they, they could feel a bit aggrieved. Yeah, it was a bit unfortunate for Australia, but I mean, it's sort of, you win some, you lose some there, because um, in that New Zealand game that was rained off, I think it was New Zealand that were going to win it, and uh, they were going to, they were on track to beat Bangladesh, but they probably would have lost to New Zealand, so it's, you know, they can't look too much into that, and then they had that chance against England, and they blew it. So, it was unfortunate that, that, that they didn't get to play as much cricket as uh, they they. They could have, but it's England at the end of the day, and the weather's so unpredictable even in the summer. Tom, let's talk Proteas, and uh, there's lots of disappointment back home with the Proteas not making it through to, to the knockout stages, and, and I don't think it's that we've lost, I just think it's the manner in which we lost, uh, that, that, that loss to Pakistan, they, they just didn't look in it, and, and the same thing in, in our loss to, to England, where we, we just really were blown off the park by, by two teams, and uh, yeah, very, very disappointing. Yeah, well, it's actually the first time that the Proteas have been knocked out of a major tournament in the group stages since 2009. So that's eight years. And, yeah, it just it, it just wasn't good from the Proteas from top to bottom. I mean, you can't really put your finger on, on why it happened, and A.B. de Villiers couldn't put his finger on it in the press conference as well. It almost felt, I sort of felt a sense of betrayal in that press conference because he couldn't give a decent explanation as to what went wrong. And he was just at a loss for words. I mean, you could talk about the level of the batting on display wasn't up to scratch. Um, perhaps some uh, decisions from De Villiers on the field weren't quite right. But just in general, sort of the atmosphere of the team and the mood that De Villiers seemed to be in in the press conference, just something didn't seem right. And uh, I'm not surprised that they're knocked out. Yeah, Tom, sorry, I, I said England, but it was it was India, the, the final defeat. And, and, and you talk about you, you feeling almost betrayed in, in that press conference. On paper, I said England were, were one of the tournament favourites. I think playing at home, they definitely were. But South Africa coming into the tournament, the, the, the best-ranked team coming into the tournament. We've got four out of the top ten batters in the world, uh, top two bowlers. On paper, we should be walking away with this thing, but it's the same old, same old once again. Yeah, well, I mean... Uh there are as many as six players, I think, in the top ten rankings as far as the Africans are concerned across the disciplines. So on paper, they're right up there. And no wonder they're number one side in the world with the players that they have. But they just have this problem in big tournaments where they don't bring it together. I mean, the Villiers sort of touched on the excuse that it's, you know, they're playing at different teams, so it's sort of a different 
sort of level of competitiveness where they're not playing bilateral series. But I mean, everyone's playing against lots of different teams. And it seems like India and Pakistan, who just seem to make it count time and time again. And so players such as Virat Kohli, they thrive under the pressure. So in those big moments, you know, those close moments, it's the team that, the team that wins is going to be the team that has the most composure. And India just seems to have it when it counts. Tom, there's, I got the feeling just there was almost like a, a disinterested nature about some of the, the players in, in the performances that I saw. You've obviously been around the team. You've been to a couple of the media conferences. I know you wrote about an incident after the Pakistan loss where, where after the, the, the one travel day, there was a, an optional training session for the Proteas and three players arrived. And it was the three players that weren't playing. Yeah, it's a tricky one. It's an interesting debate because, you know, after coming off the back of such a disappointing loss as they did against Pakistan, you sort of expect them to, to get back to work straight away. So they lost to Pakistan, then they had that travel day the next day, and then they had the optional training day, and as you said, only three players rocked up to training. It was Pretorius, Maharaj, and Parnell, and none of the other guys were there. And I, I would have thought, as, as a captain... You should be there. You should be setting the example. You should be rallying the troops. You should be getting back to work. And uh, none of them were there. But uh, it's, it's an interesting debate because maybe they did need that chill day. Maybe they just needed to relax and think about what happened and then get back to work the next day. But then they only, of course, had one day of training and then it was straight into the match. So, yeah, it didn't look good. On, on the surface, it didn't look good. But um, I don't want to read too much into what I don't know behind the scenes. True, true that. Where to from here for, for the Proteas, particularly? Uh, A.B. de Villiers has been announced as the T20 captain for, for that series uh, in, in England. Uh, do we need a change of personnel? If you look at from a, a coaching perspective, Russell Domingo's contract is, is up pretty much at the end of this tour. He has to reapply if he, if he wants to, to continue in that position. Cricket South Africa made no bones about that. Do we need a, a total reshuffle? Is, is that what's needed to, to, to sort of break the shackles? Well, maybe it is time now. You know, it's, a, it's another major tournament, another early exit. Maybe this, this is the time to do that. Um, Domingo apparently has till Friday to make a decision as to whether to reapply or not. I've got a feeling that that might not happen, but I, I don't know for sure. Um, obviously, someone like Jeffrey Tiana would probably be in line. He will probably be applying. And maybe he could be the way to go. He's uh, renowned for being very good with uh, bring up-and-coming youngsters into the side like he's done with the Vines, and maybe that's sort of the ethos that uh, the Proteus should go with, sort of buds and new youngsters get started again for that uh, 29 World Cup com campaign in two years' time. And uh, as for the captaincy, well, I think Traff could be the man. There's been talks of uh, getting a captain across all three formats, sort of for a bit of consistency. Traff did seem to be calling the shots quite, quite a bit more on the field during the tournament. So it's a bit unsettling at the moment, you know, obviously with A.B. de Villiers picking and choosing, you know, he's not playing test matches at the moment, but he's not retired, so it's, it's confusing and unsettling for the team, in my opinion. Um, so it might be an opportunity to bring Flat in as skipper and to uh, bring a new coach in. Well, Tom Sizen, editor of SA Cricket Magazine, thanks for your time this evening on SAFM Sportrack. Much appreciated. Uh, enjoy the final two matches, and we'll chat when you're back home. Thanks for your time tonight. They say the success of the future is inspired by the legends of the past. SABC Sports is proud to present Eitati, a show that takes you back to the golden days of South African football when Tiski was all about entertainment. Come and relive the beautiful game. 
through the eyes of a legend every Saturday at 1.30 p.m. Only on SABC1. Brought to you by SABC Sport for the love of the game. SABC is calling on all South Africans to play their part and to support relief efforts for the people affected by the Western Cape storms and wildfires. You can support by providing non-perishables and other much-needed resources. Please donate across all SABC offices nationally, the gift of the givers, and other NGOs who are working with first responders on the ground. Let's come together, South Africa, as a country and as a people, and let's help where it's needed the most. Follow SABC platforms for more updates. This is an SABC Foundation-supported initiative. You're listening to Sport on SAFM, the next best thing to being at the game. You're listening to SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader and uh, National First Division PSL relegation promotion playoff match taking place at the Athlone Stadium in Cape Town tonight. And if we look at the table as it stands right now, it is vital for Black Leopards this evening. They're taking on Stellenbosch FC. Uh, A long way to go. They're going to have to win tonight and beat Barock FC in their final fixture. If they stand any chance, it'll go down to goal difference. We join now by Mark Smaponyane on uh, the show. Mark, thanks for joining us this evening. Uh, lots riding on tonight's game, uh, particularly for Black Leopards, uh, not so much for Stellenbosch. Well, not too much for Stellenbosch indeed, and uh, if you look at the uh, Stellenbosch lineup, you can see the players that they have kept on the bench, that uh, really they know that there's nothing in for them tonight. But uh, as for Leopards, they brought a strong team, and uh, basically the same team that uh, started last time in the opening game, and uh, that is the opening game against, uh, against uh, Stellenbosch. And uh, they are just really meaning business. But uh, as for uh, as for Stellenbosch themselves, they really out of it. You can see that the coach is giving a run to one or two players. Mark's looking at at tonight. I mean, it's a, it's a mountain to climb. I mean, Black Leopards have to win their next two games. Barocca have uh, has undoubtedly, I think, been the strongest team in these in these playoffs. But if if Black Leopards pick up a big win tonight, and there's probably a good chance that they will, because I mean, like you say, nothing riding on it for Stellenbosch. Difficult for a coach to motivate players after a long season to put in another performance uh, when there's nothing riding on it. So if Black Leopards pick up a big win tonight, it's all to play for against Barocca. Yeah, it's all to play for. And uh, the most important thing that uh, they have to do is to make sure that they win, even if it's by an odd goal. And that will obviously uh, leave it up to a weekend, and that will be obviously a crack of the game. But uh, looking at uh, Stellenbosch quickly, just on the players that are on the bench, it gives you an idea of what the coach is thinking. He's on the bench, the captain. Niang is on the bench, and then uh, Lecky. These are the guys that have played uh, almost every game. And it just shows you that uh, he is really not into it. But as for Leopards, they've got a strong side. And uh, the same strong side, though, because it's just named. And my comment and the sort of uh, approach about uh, the, the, the Leopards players is the fact that, yes, the names are strong. The, the team is looking good on paper. But on the pitch, they're not putting the ball in the back of the net. They have all your players that you can think of, your Nchanga, your Musonda, and uh, all those uh, nine And you ask yourself, what is this that they are going to pop up tonight? But uh, they have to come up with something. They've just arrived, and you can see there's fire in their eyes. But will that fire be spilled onto the field? It's going to be an interesting match. Mark, how do they approach a game like this? Because like you say, they just need to make sure they win. Do they throw the kitchen sink at the opposition and risk 
perhaps leaking a goal at the back? How, as a, as a team, do you go into a match like this? In fact, to be honest, I can say there are two approaches, but which one to go with? The first approach would be throw the kitchen sink, get an early goal, or wait and catch them on the counter. But when you wait, you wait till when? Because at the end of the day, you will realize that the first 45, then Stellenbosch realizes we're still in the game. Let us just get out with, uh, in pride. I mean, we've seen teams that have been, even been relegated, and they play the last game, and they try to play for pride at least. And it is a fact that every other team wants to play the last game of the season and uh, finish it with a, with a victory. And uh, I'm sure Stellenbosch will do the same. But Leopards, again, as you say, they still have something to play for. But uh, you have to be very careful because if it's a draw again, it means nothing. And a loss, it's even better for, 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 for Barroca because Barroca will even uh, promote it without kicking the ball in the last game. Yeah, absolutely. And, and these playoff relegation matches over the years have, I don't want to say they favoured uh, the teams in, in that, that played the season in the in the PSL, but they have tended to be the stronger teams. And I think it's shown again uh, in, in this playoff relegation uh, sort of tournament that uh, even though Barocca struggled in the PSL, that, that continuous playing against better opposition, they are probably stronger than the two NFD teams. Yeah, in fact, uh, that was my thinking about them, that if, if there's one team that will be relegated of all three, because I've been privileged to work in all three, and uh, I thought Barroca is, because uh, the other two, yes, Black Leopards have their frailties, and that is not taking chances, and then Bosch, their weakness is mainly just not coordinating or seeing exactly what style or pattern are they playing. And Barocca are the ones that uh, have really been looking good. They've been looking like a PSL team in inverted commas. And uh, they really looking strong. So this is, uh, this is always going to be one of those that uh, can determine what's going to happen over the weekend. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the entire Barocca squad will be watching this game somewhere and uh, keeping fingers crossed that Stellenbosch can uh, pull one over Black Leopards for them because that, that would uh, mean that there's nothing riding on this weekend's game. But I think for, for neutrals, we want to see it go down to the wire. So uh, let's hope for a Black Leopards win tonight and a big one. And then we put some pressure on Barocca at the weekend. What do you say, Marks? Well, I'm thinking they haven't even got to be watching this game somewhere. <laughs> they should be watching this game in a hotel. I can book them the whole week and say, guys, we are just going to focus on this game. We've got Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday we're in business. So rather stay together, watch this game together, because the coach cannot explain it better when he, the players are watching this game elsewhere on their, on their own. So this is one game that they have to show interest in it. And uh, they know their future or futures rely on the outcome of today's game, but also in what they are doing over the weekend. Marks Papagnano, always a pleasure to catch up. Enjoy the match tonight, and we look forward to catching up again soon. Thank you. I hope it's going to be a great game. SAFM Sports Wrap. And that's it for the show this evening. Thanks for listening. Coming up next, the talk shop with Naledi Maleo. If you have any comments or suggestions, email us, sport at safm.co.za. From myself, Brad Brown, and my producer, Siobhan Chetty, have yourself a great evening. It is 7 o'clock.